plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to the latest edition of Warriors Plus Minus. Uh, we're done with the last dance, so we might be done as a podcast. This might be the last episode if we don't have anything else to talk about. But for this last episode, we got the usual squad, Tim Kawakami, Ethan Strauss, Anthony Slater. Uh, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do now. I'm, I'm hey, a little lost in the wilderness. ES- ESPN's got a bunch of uh, documentaries coming out. They're unloading the barrel. You see Lance Armstrong, I believe, next Sunday. Yep. Tell Bruce all. Lee, baby. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Wow. Yeah, I can't About wait time. to see that one. About Sosa time. McGuire. That's not a bad one either. That's a good topic. They're un- they're unloading whatever they got in the vault right now. Yeah. We we just need like uh, David Aldridge, you know, kind of narrating all of them. <laughs> I won't feel comfortable unless I see Da in them. Did he get the most screen time of anybody in that documentary? Uh, you know, somebody counted it up. I should I should have looked, but I don't I don't think he was listed as most. But he's way I, up there. He, I mean, Michael Jordan, I would assume was number one <laughs> yeah. of the media, though. Like J, we saw J a bit. Yeah, Will Will Bond. Andrew Kramer, Ahmad Rashad, Ahmad Rashad. But they used the media people as narrators, right? Because they didn't have a narrator, so they had to say. And then Game Five was really tough for Michael, so they can click to it. You know, they needed somebody to fill in those gaps. And I was talking to Aldridge about it's like I've I've had that role without even knowing it. Where they're like, well, well, then what did Oscar De La Hoya do? Because they need you to fill that little you know edit, so they can get from one scene to another. And they used a Donde, Will Bond, and Aldridge. Uh, Andrew Kramer, Willow Bay for a lot of those little transitions. And you know, well, they're not saying much, but they're actually getting from one scene to another timeline to another scene. Uh, and and I thought, you know, of, of, of them, I thought David was the most entertaining. Don't want to take shots at anybody, but I thought David was tremendous in this thing. I think that's a smart way to document, you know, because I, I don't love the just random over the, you know, the voiceover that clearly wasn't there during the era. Yep. Yeah, and it gets a little. It worked during the Pistons yeah. one, though. I like that dude during the Pistons one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the it, bad it, boys it, one. So, yeah, I mean, it depends, and it depends on 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 kind of the rhythm of it. But I like this one just because it felt historical. It felt like you know you, you were people were weighing on history. It wasn't somebody paid to do it. It was someone just here's what I saw. Here was history, uh, I, and you but you did need those fill-ins. You did need those journalistic. And then this happened, and then this was set up for this, and then Michael lost a lot of money on the golf course. Like, well, you just kind of needed those little turns there. It might be something, I don't want to toot our own horn as media schleps, but it might be something that we're well-suited to do because we have to do it all the time and try to thread a narrative revolving around it versus... I Look saw at the Ethan dentist. trying to secure future employment. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's already he's already booking studio time ten years from now. I'm just I, I see I'm just Ethan. Saying, he's like, I, hey man, you're gonna need me, and I'll have voice recording experience. Here's a question though. I, I think we're doing a documentary about Ethan, so it's gonna be me, Marcus <laughs> Slater, gonna be talking about memories. Ethan's going to be off in some other was, another I, world. Look, look, I'm just saying, here to give an example, to give an example, um, I was fascinated by the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30, but it was narrated, and I believe executive produced by Jamie Foxx, who's one of the most talented people in Hollywood. I mean, he's just an incredible talent, and his narration screwed up I'm that documentary. I'm going to say the most talent. <laughs> oh, 
the most. I'm gonna say the most talented. Yeah, that dude and yet, and yet he he messed up that documentary just because his narration wasn't exactly the way you needed to do it and the way you needed to narrate it. It was almost like he was he was trying to add too much Jamie Foxx flair to it. I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, yeah, I saw maybe, it, when it came out, but I don't remember now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it I, just... it, it, but like, yeah, again, I've talked about this many times. I'm a documentary nut. Uh, certain things about certain kinds of documentaries I will watch over and over again. And some of the greatest documentaries just don't have narrators because the story tells itself or you, it feels like it. It feels like the story is generating its own momentum and you don't need someone to push it who's just sitting in a studio somewhere reading lines. You don't want to feel that all the time. It, it works other times. I'm not saying it doesn't, but... Um, some of the greatest documentaries, maybe the greatest, The Last Waltz, no narrator. It's the band members who are narrating. Or Scorsese on camera talking to the band members. Uh, you know, you just have it, these things kind of, if you feel like they're going on their own, which Last Dance, you know, the timeline stuff get, got a little confusing. And I understand what they were doing, but, you know, some of that maybe could have used a little more structure, but I liked that it was felt like it was just kind of unspooling. You were feeling it. You know, even the, the scenes with Michael driving in the car, you were driving somewhere. That's the narration. It's Michael and Ahmad Rashad with Marcus wishing he was in the back seat driving to a playoff game. You know, th those it, that's the momentum. It's, it had its own momentum. And the games are obviously momentum. The shots are momentum. You know, you, you're, you know the Steve Kerr mo shots coming up because they're setting it up. You know the Rodman, you know, NWO moments coming. But it has its own, you know, it, propel, it propels itself, which is what I thought this thing obviously had. For, and, and very few can you do that for 10 episodes, but this story had it. I enjoyed the timeline because it felt like the time was colliding. It felt like the past was, uh, it was That's exactly up. what they were going for, no question. Fold, it was, it was cool. like folding, folding in on itself, for sure. I liked it because we experienced life that Yeah, it was a little difficult, though. You know, but it was a little difficult tracking yet. I mean was the point of not paying close attention, but you had to be paying close attention to know where they were. If you stepped away during that little span back to 93, you don't know what was happening. And that was my wife, like going to the kitchen to get something. What is this about? I'm like, nah, are we back in 93 now? Or <laughs> you know, we up in 98. But I, I, actually, I actually liked it, but I get how it could be confusing. Uh, TK, you, you mentioned in the round table Something that, like, when you said it, I was like, yo, that it's so true. Like, we haven't talked about Lakeup at all. And now's a good time considering this revelation that Reinsdorf actually tried to keep the band together and tried to, and went behind Krause's back to to get Phil to come back and told Jordan he was doing it. And Ramona Shelburne wrote a piece where he, uh, he told Jordan, I'm, I'm going to try to make this happen. Don't say anything. And this was like, into the lockout and Jordan saying, you know, still, he's still upset that he didn't get to go for a seventh title. Uh, how would Joe Lacob have handled all this? Because I, I've been very surprised that Reinsdorf was just sitting back and letting all this happen. You know, he's saying, Hey, I, he tried throughout the process, but it just feels like an owner, uh, like a legit owner, someone, especially with, with Reinsdorf's clout would be able to step in earlier what, what, than what he What did. are we doing, though? This ended the exact way you'd want it to end. It went out on a high note. Why are we even getting mad not at Michael, not, Only not because yet. we don't know yeah. what the next Michael one is. Michael doesn't yeah. think that. Uh, I, I think Ryan Storff had a limit financially as far as he was going. And he liked, 
that Krause was keeping it. Like, you know, we, we talked about before, the Jordan salaries before the last two years were unbelievably low. You know, they're like $4 million or whatever. It was some absurd number. Scotty's making $3 million. You know, this was not going to be a team that was going to spend gobs of money it went into Scotty Pippen's thir- you know late 30s or whatever it just wasn't going to do it. So I think Reinsdorf kind of was trying to thread a super super tight needle just I want to keep it together of course Michael of course of course you know Michael's okay going on one year deals because he's Michael but Scotty Pippen wasn't. So when you tell Michael we're going to I'm going to try to redo this and we're going to offer Scotty a one year deal and we're going to offer Phil a one year deal. Phil might have been a little more likely to do it. I'm not sure about that though. Uh, I don't recall Phil ever working on a one-year deal. And I still think it was realistic, but I could see Reinsdorf trying to kind of nudge everybody into this one line, narrow little area where he could win and they could win. And it actually wasn't going to happen. So, And I still see Joe, I see Joe Lacob saying, I go win one more championship. I'm willing to overspend for this moment to get that one championship within reason, within reason. I have a question. I have a question because I'm way too young to know the details but i assume this probably has you know can help contextualize when this will happen why was the why was there a lockout like what were like the real factors Ke- that led kevin to the garnett <laughs> kevin garnett was the- it laid the contract for for, for young players and, yeah laid the know. contract was a big it, deal especially for rookies which is ironic because it was a great deal for minnesota but yet it it's it, spur- <laughs> it's it started the lockout <laughs> yeah so i mean like i don't know i mean you guys would know better than me but like is should we weigh that into it contextual? I mean, obviously there was beef with between owners and players at the time. If there was a lockout that almost canceled the season, right? I mean, there was heavy concerns that ninety nine wasn't even going to be played. They didn't so, even play in ninety nine, uh, by the way. They basically played in two thousand. Um, yeah, camp. I'm sorry. Yeah, say ninety eight. I'm sorry, ninety eight, and then they played. They basically played in nine in ninety nine. Um, yeah, I mean, that environment's different than Joe Lacob's ever dealt with. Yeah. And and remember Jordan quit baseball because of a lockout with baseball. So these things always occur. I don't think it had as big a deal with the bulls. It was just coming to an end and Scotty really was the flashpoint. Scotty wasn't going to take, would he get like $45 million from, uh, the Rockets? It might have been over 50. No, he got more than that. Yeah, 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 he wasn't going to take a one-year deal to give that up and and push himself another year further into his career. And he kind of quit on the Rockets, from from what I remember. Oh, he and and Barkley hated each other. I I, I covered the playoffs when they played the the Lakers, and the Lakers weren't exactly all put together. It was right before they hired Phil. Lakers beat the Rockets, and then I think they lost to the Spurs. If I'm trying to, it's all blurring together. Uh, Scotty... It, that's the interesting thing again. He's like a nice guy. Everybody likes him, and then weird stuff happens with him every single place. He's like, there's no happy ending with him. He, you know, he fights with Krause. He's got to go. He fights with Barkley. He goes to Portland. I think it was okay in Portland, but he doesn't win. And I don't think they. He was a beloved figure in Portland. He gets the, you know, he has the migraine. He has this won't play for the final play. He has the back issue. These all might, well, except for the won't play in the in the final play. All might be legitimate stuff. It just happens to him. Stuff just happens to Scotty. The Bulls just didn't want to go long term with that. And and I think I think Krause had made the decision. And then whether Reinsdorf was going to go beyond one, I don't. He wasn't going to go one beyond one more year. And, and Scotty wasn't going to go for it either. And that was it. And then Phil was just kind of part of that. Like they had already hired Tim Floyd, by the way. They didn't say it was for coach. 
They just hired Tim Floyd like he was going to be in basketball operations. So Phil's going to come back for one year with Tim Floyd sitting there. Uh, that was good. That was just wasn't going to happen. They had I gone just, down that road. I, I look at it as they were cooked. I mean, this idea that they could come back and win a championship, they were done. Dennis Robbins' career was basically over. Uh, Scotty, I mean, he was an important part of those that, that that Portland team, but in a role player role. I mean, he wasn't a star anymore at that at that point. Um, I mean, this is all hindsight, though. This is all hindsight. Yeah, well, people... In 98, when they won, nobody was thinking y- the Bulls You know what's cooked. funny? You know what Krause sounds like in that memoir that Casey Johnson excerpted um, and put out there where he was explaining why the team was broken up? He sounded a lot like Steve at the beginning of, of this season where, yeah, the fans think that everything is as it was because you still have those big names on the marquee. It's not the same, though. They, they 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 lose so much around it and it's not Mike just by being Mike can just produce another championship I, I I look at it I know what you're saying is true Marcus I think people at the time just thought yeah Bulls run it back but looking back at, at it things things end for a reason and I think that was I mean, it they were I, not going to win I get again. what you're saying but but what makes that ending better than them losing in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Pacers like why? Why does the end have to be the walk away? There is absolutely nothing wrong with them running it back and losing to the Pacers in the second round. And, of the next and by the way, that's and, how it and, ends and you know, too. And by like, the way, and you know who the Eastern Conference champion was that next season? It was like the seventh seeded Knicks, who were not a good team and just got on a run with Marcus Camby and Latrell Sprewell. I, I'm I would imagine. And I was in New York for that. It was crazy. Yeah. There was no way Jordan would beat yeah, that team with Larry Johnson taking five minutes. I was at the <laughs> finals game five. I saw the uh, the Spurs win the championship at Bassin Square Garden. Uh, <laughs> it was just a uh, Were we all there? Moment. I covered that for the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> we were all really? there. Really? Like, I, yeah. I, I interned at Newsday that time. <laughs> That's crazy. Young, we were in New York young Ethan, young Marcus, and semi-young me were all in that building. That's all just, in the building. That's like my, an event. I was not there. It's like my an adventure. I was not there. Breaking my my dad's body. Bought scalp tickets. <laughs> bought Did Captain America tickets. come back in time and like remove the Infinity Stone from that moment or something? Jesus, that's, that's it was, bizarre. It's a close game. Spreewell, you know, missed that close shot. Uh, of course, yeah, then, the Knicks, then, the, then the Lakers hire Phil Jackson. He immediately says, "Yes, and that Spurs asterisk championship." <laughs> <laughs> always yeah. knows that Phil always knows. Yeah. No, no. Well, going, going back to Lake without trying to just praise him because obviously there are missteps and there could be missteps and they haven't won every championship. But I don't see, you know, if 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 you say to Joe Lake. You'll have to pay for Scottie Pippen. I think we can put Draymond Green maybe in this. That's probably about the same situation in terms of age and potentiality. Paying for yeah, what? Would paying you, for your previous. Yeah, would you pay uh, a guy for his know. previous and for one more year? Or do you let him go right now and try to reform around it? And and the main guy, it's another perfect. I mean, another, we already know another, yeah. he did yeah, that. Another yeah. perfect. Jordan wanted Pippen. Steph wanted Draymond. Do you piss off Jordan by letting you basically Steph wasn't going to retire. Jordan retired because of this. And Joe Legum said, okay, let's, let's do it. Now it happens that he is attached to Draymond, certainly in a way that, that Ryan, Ryan Starf and Krauss weren't to Pippen, but he made the decision. Let's go for one more year. Iguodala is another case. An objective yeah, exactly. owner. It's like, I want one more year, but I'm going to give him yeah. three. An, an objective owner might not have given Draymond that contract. And so maybe that's a difference between, not objective, but cheap. I, it just it's a different mentality from the Reinsdorf mentality. Uh, the the Draymond contract, and 
So yeah, I think that does show a difference. I think that is that is a difference. I just I I don't know what we're doing. I don't think that there is a seventh championship there. I think it ends in a sad way. It ends in a sad way if it keeps going forward. The invincibility aura is going to be taken from that team just a bit if you if you keep going. And well, I, I think Phil definitely felt that. I mean, that's part of the reason why Phil was leaving. And believe me, he had he had his eyes on the Lakers. He he absolutely did. I think there was an ESPN piece he wrote with Charlie Rosen that basically talked about how well the the, the Lakers would do with the triangle it, while the Lakers and the Lakers are you know going to the playoffs and all that stuff. Uh, but Michael didn't feel like Phil's that. done some. Phil's done some kind of shady stuff. Oh, no question. Yeah, no and question. and he's I mean, won eleven championships. Yeah, so. he's that's <laughs> like like so what I say about like Larry Brown, like Don Nelson, like Bill Belichick. You put Pat right. Like the reason why they're really good coaches isn't because they're really sweethearts. It's because they're trying to plot to beat you and trying to win the next negotiation and try to win the next trade and try to get themselves a better job. Uh, you know, there's there's. We say Machiavellian all the time, but that's part of the job. And I don't think Phil even denies it. He writes books about it. That's incredible. He writes books about Jordan behind closed doors. And Jordan's not pissed at him. Jordan's pissed at Jerry Krause. You know, it's a it's unique way Phil has. But having dealt with him and having Phil get mad at me or, you know, whatever with me a few times, it's okay. Like, he's he's just so big time about it. He's like, this is who I am. This is what I do. I win. What are you going to do about it? What, what uh, is that 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 Popovich has and he has that kind of smart, mean quality where there's an intimidation factor that you just don't see from a lot of from a lot of coaches? What is that thing? I mean, it, it's tied titles, help. titles, help titles. Yeah, it's security. Yeah, it's security. It's, yeah. it's secure. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> we're we're going to do this. Yeah, position. we're going to do this this way. And uh, you don't like it. I, you know, I, I can live with that, but this is the way we're going to do it. And, and you know, there's a, there's kind of almost like a regal air with Phil. I mean, you can see it in, in the interviews. I mean, he's just, what are you going to do? You know, this is what I believe. I've thought through this. It has to do with the Lakota Indian tribe, whatever. But, you know, stars buy into this. Like, you know, they they get this thing from Phil. It's immediate. And that coming from, I just know when he took over the Lakers, <clears throat> Kurt Rambis was the interim coach, one of the most insecure people ever. Uh, and it showed from you know, like, oh, here's hip, cool Kirk Rambis taking over from, you know, old, you know, old fogey Del Harris. Well, it turns out that Kirk couldn't handle it. And he flipped out, absolutely went crazy. And in comes Phil, who, by the way, is now best friends with Kirk Rambis, a whole other story. Uh, and Phil just was this total cool, total, like, this is it. We got it. We got it now. Don't worry about it. Shaq and Kobe, I got gotcha. you. These two guys, this is what I do. And it kind of drove Jerry West crazy, but so what? Phil didn't care. Uh, that's that's kind of an untold story how Phil and Jerry hated each yeah, other. Yeah, everybody but, knows they hated each other, but why? Why well, did it they goes back have to started with as as we all have learned from a lot of this? These executive and coaches stories go back to their relationship as players. Mm. And Phil, gangly, elbowy, shouldery Phil broke Jerry's nose once in a game. And Jerry never forgave him for it. Wow. Never, ever, ever <laughs> forgave him for it. That's where this goes. But I think West had some, you know, sympathies for Kraus. You know, I don't, you know, obviously not his kind of guy, but I think he had some sense that Kraus was getting maligned by Phil, knew that it had that had gone on, and he didn't love that. And then Phil came in and started dating Jeannie Buss. All that hit all of Jerry's buttons. Like he was like, okay, he's gonna try to take over the team. He's gonna be the owner of the team. You know, what the hell? All those 
things, and, and and he came into this not liking Phil. And that's still the most G thing <laughs> Phil Jackson's ever yeah. done. It was unbelievable. <laughs> to come in and take the it was unbelievable. <laughs> I, like I saw it happening. That's the like I saw them beginning to flirt. I'm just going. This is going to be very interesting. And you know who she break? He she had just come off of dating Scott Hoffler. No, that was years and years and years. Oh, ago. I don't know. Her, her boyfriend, <laughs> her before, her boyfriend before that was Dennis Rodman. Literally. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, so wow. It, oh that. <laughs> wait a minute. The bull. The Lakers ninety nine two thousand is the next documentary. I'm just, just reeling off the little details. But look, but look at the company Scott Osler's. <laughs> that was the Scott Osler thing. Let's not even get. The let's Scott not even go into Osler. that anymore. Uh. <laughs> it's too. It, it's. It's too late. He he opened the box. And our next guest is Jeannie Bus talking about her dating life. Oh yeah, we got Scott Osler on, man. That's the, yeah. that's the one we need to get. The guy's got a million great chick hearn stories. Scott, I did not start this. I did not start this. Yeah, it was clear to Ethan. Hey, so if um, you know, for me the documentary was made by clearly Jordan, right? And his willingness to sit down and be open. Who has to be that guy for the Warriors documentary to be good? Uh, I don't think they have no, one like, that not, is not like, like him. I'm so, thinking it's Joe. That's why yeah. I think it's Joe. <laughs> no, no, I think it's Joe. No, it's Joe, man. You, Can you? It's, whose unfiltered it's, it's, thoughts would be the most? It's entertaining? two guys. It's Steph and Steph and Draymond. I mean, those are the two. But the problem is Steph. Doesn't like Steph, Steph Steph's wouldn't not say private. it right. Yeah, he wouldn't say it right. <laughs> and Dr- and Draymond has these type of interviews once every month. And then when you talk about Joe, like sure, Joe would have some funny like lines, but you really think uh, you know the citizenry is going to sit there for ten hours and listen well, to Joe talk Joe's, about how Joe's awesome? Got the right personality. Yeah, he's got the, the right personality for it. Again, that's the, what I was like. He, but he's not he's Michael Jordan. He's not Michael Jordan. Something else. Players are overexposed now. They're overexposed. I mean, I wrote. I wrote my book mostly focused um, on a little bit of the back end just because we talk so much about these guys. Okay, so what time is this? What time is this, Rob? Like, what, how long <laughs> do you take for the book name to drop? Uh, 20 <laughs> minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. Hey, from, from the... Uh, from from my from my uh, book yeah. on how to promote yeah. books, this is yeah, way Marcus, too late. Marcus Harley, this is way too late. Look, uh, by the way, get, talk, you're yeah. both overexposed. But two of you, you're overexposed. I'm telling you right now, we're all overexposed. Can't do doc. Right? Can't do doc actually, can't do doc. Well, the craziest thing to me was when was it was Andrea Kramer saying that it's amazing how famous he got without social media, and I thought to myself. That's why he was so famous. There weren't we we had like a a hundred celebrities back then, like maximum. We didn't have all these celebrities and micro celebrities and social media influencers. And no, there were there there were a few celebrities, and you didn't know a lot like, about them. And you were a legit celebrity, yeah. and you had to do something to earn yes. your celebrity. I remember Bob Bob Costas said it best. He was saying like, player people are legendary. Because you don't get to yep. see everything. Well, mystery. Have some mystery. Yep. You have to live on the <laughs> yep. stories. Yeah, you have to live on the legends that get passed down. There are no more legends anymore. And Jordan really was, as big as he was, he still was a legend. Because there was so much you didn't see and so much you didn't know. I don't know who, who can be that. If Kawhi Tiger, Leonard Tiger, opened Tiger up. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. It, yeah, it, Tiger. If Kawhi yeah, Leonard opened definitely. up. Kawhi's not but interesting, he, though. But if suddenly he's, not he's opening up. You gotta want to know about him, right? But what what is he? But what's Kawhi gonna tell us about how he was chilling at his house with nobody? Like, I mean, I he he doesn't have an interesting unless he reveals something that makes him more interesting. Like he's a gigolo (laughs) on the side or something. Like I don't know. It would have to be something to make us say it would have to. I mean, maybe 
maybe I shouldn't say this, but it would have to almost be like Aaron Hernandez-y. You know, like Aaron Hernandez wow. suddenly Jeez. became... Wow. Dead. wow. I don't Let's all s- legally say okay. this right I- now. This is nothing to do with anybody's name that we brought up. It's just <laughs> Slater just This wasn't nearly started. like the Scott yeah, Austin. Not even going. Right? You know? uh, I'm, I'm going to go... I, I agree with... Guess, what, you, what, guess you also I, dated Jeannie we're, Buff. No. We're, we're, changing, we're changing the topic here. Uh, <laughs> I, though I agree with what Ethan was saying about social media dampens you know the, the light maybe a little bit because we know these people and the person i'm going to bring about is always on social media constantly he's a total presence but if kevin durant sat down for a documentary and bared his soul and it wasn't like the changing his mind every like this is it this is exactly my life my career this is how it went from you know what you know from growing up to texas to oklahoma city to the warriors to the nets man i think that might be the one i mean maybe even above lebron because even with the bizarre stuff there's still it can't be a 35 ventures curating no no no, have to be curated by an objective but him i was just and and kevin i'm volunteering for the role (laughs) can you imagine though like having interviews that that you record about Durant and then showing it to him and watching him listen to them on the iPad, that would be incredible. Oh, by the oh, way, man. Kevin, we have this one from Ethan Strauss. I mean, with the <laughs> look on his face, would be amazing. And here's you know, just just hit the ripples. Of, like I was going to ask you, Mark, because you just talked to Bob Myers. You know, it's typical social media the reaction to what Myers told Nick Friedel about how it was miserable that last championship season, and we all know what he means. It's the context of it. It was that it wasn't as fun as the first two. It wasn't even as fun as the one before that. They had the drama with Kevin. You had the drama with other stuff, but obviously it was it was taken as in some parts as a shot at Kevin, and maybe even by Kevin himself. Right? He responds himself to it. So, what did you think about that, Marcus? I mean, I thought it was very typical social media, but the interesting part was Kevin's response. And I think he knows oh, Bob very pretty well. well. That's still his guy so, on the Warriors. The, yeah, the, yeah, that's still his guy. So I was just kind of like, wait, he do know what Bob meant, right? <laughs> like he or or is this now another beef? I, I think it was, you know, first off, this is why Bob doesn't yeah. talk very much, <laughs> right? Because he kind of. You kind of got to understand what he means, and you kind of got to know the whole context. <laughs> Can't blame but this one on Fitz. I, I yeah. also think Bob. No. I think I know, right? I, cannot, huh? You blaming <laughs> Nick? What do you mean? It's on Nick Friedel for not giving. But I do, I do think there's a part of Bob that, and 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 all of them that really ended up cherishing the pre KD years because of you know it was theirs and it was the grind and. And they weren't the darlings either. They weren't even, you know, picked by people to win. They weren't the center of every conversation. And I do think there's a part of them that misses that. I, I don't know. Bob would probably be too sappy if he got all open and vulnerable. He'd probably be crying and all that. So I don't know if he'd be good. But I would, I would be interested in his thoughts because he's kind of a hub on which all of these spokes connect. You know, he's got... Like, there's nobody who doesn't have a relationship with Bob, whereas, like, Steph and Joe Laker might not be the, the tightest, right? Or, you know. That's you what know I want to hear about. Like, Steph and Joe Lacob talking about that. I know, right? I would want to. I mean, look, Joe Lacob has Steph and Atherton, so maybe they are. 
I do want Maybe to show Steph a clip close. of Joe saying something wild or saying that it wasn't just Steph. I would I would want to see the reaction to such a such a thing. Said. But the problem is Steph's Steph's gonna be too. No, nice he's gonna do that little you surly know, laugh gonna... he does where he's he's mad about something. But that's what I'm saying. It's he's funny. not gonna say. He's not gonna say the glove. <laughs> I had no problem no with the glove. No problem. He's with never. The glove. <laughs> he's gonna say, "Hey, man, the glove was a very yeah. strong competitor." And, you know, like that's a, he, I, I don't know Myers. I would like to hear Myers' like uncensored thoughts, like just going that's down a list away. of everybody. That is, yeah, that's a way. You know, away. Yeah, I no feel problem. bad for Gary Payton. <laughs> it man. may never. I mean, happen. He probably didn't know that they were just going to use that to try. Hey. He was disrespecting Gary Payton, and it was actually he, and Larry, he was and Gary Payton on locked that him because up. <laughs> Gary Payton gave him problems. Yeah, Gary Payton gave him major problems. The one he, thing I want fronting. the one the one thing I wanted to say on the on the idea of KD being you know maybe the the hub of the story and the tell all. I would I it would have to be him taking a self critical look at himself because he has given plenty of interviews criticizing the outside world sometimes he's correct sometimes he's incorrect sometimes it's very much a mix in between but i would love to hear a sit down where he really kind of looked has at his own ever, decisions and maybe I mean, try to pick apart that would be fascinating no, I mean, that's what gets tight particularly i mean particularly i'm talking the oklahoma city years there's obviously stuff he needs to look at in the warriors years but there's definitely stuff he needs I'm to look that, at in yeah, oklahoma who, city in years, 10 years if there is a maturity if there is a you know deeper sense of the big picture, who could tell the most? Who whose story is the most compelling in in, in a in a last dance sort of way? I, I think of the people we've run into. Durant, yeah. Nah, you right, TK. You right. I think you're right now to think about it. KD go. KD would make a great uncle, and that's what you need in this situation, right? You need that uncle who gonna tell you keep it like 100 and say what needs to be said, and will break up Thanksgiving dinner. Like, that's who Mike was, right? Like, that's exactly who Jordan was. I'm going to say it. I don't care. And I, I can see KD being that guy with the gray goatee. Marcus, Marcus, do you think he would keep it 100 about himself? About, every, in, you know. In, yeah, in 20 years, yeah. I think no, I, I can see that. I don't think, I don't think Jordan does. I, I mean. He I think doesn't. That You're right. Nobody sees it this way. People call KD all kinds of names and soft this and all that. But I saw way more similarities between him and Jordan than really anybody else and maybe it's just a matter of one has social media and the other didn't as far as how we perceive them because you think jordan would have been going after uh, fans yeah yeah i'm not disagreeing (laughs) i think that's possible no jordan literally called himself god and black jesus in the documentary like (laughs) (laughs) he would have he would have went to anybody I mean, maybe Jordan would have had a little bit more impulse control on on the social media. I don't know. But that mystique is maintained through what we don't know. Um, We can kind of build you up and we can fill in the gaps. And yeah, celebrities right now, they're overexposed. We just know way too much about them. We like thinking about them not as human beings, but as people who are a plane above ourselves. And social media ruins that whole illusion. TK, you dodged my question in a roundtable, but I'm very interested in your thoughts. Not because it'll ever happen, but just because you've been on both sides of the journalistic ledger. Not like you've you personally have been there, but you've been in these two eras. Like what what was that? How how do you how do you digest Amar Rashad's relationship with Mike? Well, it, was, yeah, it wasn't journalistic. Like, yeah. It wasn't journalistic. Clearly, yeah, yeah. It it was. 
pal around guy and NBC's just fine with it. But that was yeah. at a time where that that delineation wasn't made. Uh, right? Like, no, we, no. It was, as a fan, we watched yeah, it. Yeah, but I just... As it, a fan, you thought Amara Shah was it. In the journalistic community, it was... Yeah, journalistic community, it was certainly separated. And, you know, in, in a smaller way, Jim Gray had the same kind of relationship with Kobe. Uh, and there were a few other... Stephen A. Smith and uh, Iverson. Iverson, for sure. I mean, just there, there were some of those... Uh, and you know, there were, there are many, I don't know. There's felt a little bit more legit than Amar Rashad. Well, Amar, Amar, Amar was Rashad his buddy, was, his buddy, was a but, pro bowl wide yeah. receiver. I think that matters, you know, in this like context, like we're talking about a pro athlete, like a very good pro athlete yeah. that and, and who was you a, automatically kind of sit in the locker room and have more credit. And he was married to Felicia Rashad too, but I mean, yeah, like there yeah. was a, there was a, AKA a, Claire Huxley. Claire Huxley. Yeah, there know. was a, there was a, a veneer about Ahmad. That was above and beyond. So it just never felt like a journalistic thing. It was, but all, you know, they used it for that, no question. But you, you knew that Ahmad wasn't going to say things about Michael that Michael didn't want him to say. You knew that it was coming through the Michael PR sense. So it, it wasn't proper journalistically. But again, NBC doesn't have to pose itself. It's got other journalists. It's got other vehicles. And you just understood that. Could that exist just like this now? Well, what you know, what if? Doesn't Paul, it? Yeah, Kendrick Kendrick Perkins and, and, and LeBron. I mean, you know. Jay Williams. Yeah. Jay Williams right. and, and Durant. And, you know, there's variations of this. I think it's more splintered now. And I know, Ethan, you're talking about this. It's certainly true. NBC just felt like a bigger thing, a bigger part of the cosmos when they had NBA Finals games than any, any of the playoff games now. NBC just had this larger, still does. And I think it, it's it's a big part of it is their, their Olympics history and coverage they just do things with that you know higher level loftier sound and feel they have announcers who are loftier they you know they don't have some of the you know i would say small time but it's 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 way too mean to say that but you know their announcers they try for that bigger feel al michaels is their sunday night football they would never have some, you know joe tessitore as their sunday night football they, never never ever ever would nbc have joe tessitore as their play-by-play guy on on the number one game that's just what nbc thinks i know i used to i used to cover sports media nbc puts more money money into everything than every other sports network and they think about how important it is and the the, the grandeur of it and the, the example to me is and i said it on the, the the Cavs podcast i was on but i remember going we were all there at that game six 2016 in cleveland and it feels like the most just incredible big game you were ever at and they're blaring in the air of the night and I'm watching the concessionaires just belt out the lyrics and then for that podcast I rewatched the game and the ESPN product the TV product just feels rinky dink and weird and cheap and I like the roots but they have the roots do the intro song and they're it's they, they have this theme of the number two for no reason two the Cavs need to win two games Kyrie Irving number two and it, it's just it's embarrassing they need to do better I'm sorry they need to do a better job it, it's we're watching them we're watching them get punked we're watching them get punked by the 1990s and NBC like they got to step it up when games come back I always wondered if it was nostalgia that made that feel so dope and it's like nah it was just doper like it yeah. was just better, right? Like they trusted, they trusted the viewer. They didn't go lowest common denominator. But that's dude, well, he had these like written intros that were like columns in a paper, basically that he was reading out, and we we definitely don't have that now. Yeah, just NBC, just 
and NBC, but you got to give credit to NBC because they had Costas. They made sure they had Costas. Uh, and I, you know, I haven't dealt with NBC. They're arrogant, arrogant people. No question. That whole network is arrogant because it's the Olympics, because of all these things. But they, pre they just present stuff better. They present they're like the Triple Crown was is better because NBC is doing it. There's the stuff. Sunday Night Football is awesome. Sunday Night Football to the other is, games. is possibly the best produced sport like on television. And you that's compare. the obvious right there. That plays it out right there. Just the presentation of the two current football side by side. No yep. question. Yep. And you know, they've got Michaels and Collinsworth. They would never have Booger McFarlane or Jason Witten or <laughs> they just wouldn't. They just I know them. I've covered them. They never would do that. Not a chance in a thousand Booger years. Booger gets more hate. Would they than would they would they have would they look. would they have Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy? I would not think so. No. Well I mean Van Gundy and Jackson maybe in a different set format. I I mean, but they certainly would have Breen. They did have Bill yeah, Walton. they certainly would have Breen. But um it just it's a different everything's different level with them. You know, their their halftime shows were different. They just they do it differently because they have a higher regard for themselves. They let you know about it, but they have a very very high regard for the presentation of everything. And we're seeing it. I remember at the time. I mean, just costs ads. They just they try for that. They try for this elevated feel for especially for the big events, and they get it a lot of times. They certainly do it better than anyone else. That theme song so nice. Oh God, that theme song, and just the, everyone sings the theme of it, but just the little intro to the intro, the da 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 da. It's just so it's perfect, and man, um, it's hard not to be a nostalgist right now, especially with time frozen and going through some of the greatest NBA games ever, even if those games weren't even cracking. Not 80. frozen anymore, baby. We're thawing out. We're starting to We're thaw out. out. Oh, look at that segue. Look at that segue. Look so at that Gavin segue from... Newsom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slater, when you heading over uh, to Chase Center? When you heading over to Chase Center? December. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, it's man. It's just my guess. I mean, when I are you going to be at the before. When are you going to be at the Treehouse? When are you going to be at the Treehouse? Uh, uh, 2021. <laughs> Oh man, they gotta open up the treehouse is out. It's outdoors. You got the sun. You know, they, there's already six feet of distance in the A's game. I mean, come on, treehouse. Open there is it up, six, people. There is six feet of distance. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> shots uh, fired. Yeah. Will media be allowed? That's the the question I have. My right. my expectation is no, and I've talked to some people who don't think so, uh, particularly with like the advent of the Zoom uh, call. But it's just and and. I just think we're talking temporarily this season. Next season, when I talk to people, it just sounds more like they're talking about all these arena stuff to put in place next year. All these different, you know, and it'll be maybe a little bit similar to what we had. To, remember we, what we had to deal with with those last couple games when suddenly the media was the problem, but the fans weren't the problem. Where they, get they out of the do, locker room, get away yeah, from the players. They're so. using it as a pretext to do what they want to do anyway. Um, but. Yeah, I, I think the big challenge, it's not getting this playoffs over the line. I think that's feasible. You get your quarantine little tournament. Um, you block it off. It's hot outside right now. Apparently that seems to have an effect. I, I think it's it's getting the, the sport back for next season is going to be the, the massive challenge. And, you know, there's more cause for optimism right now and maybe more willingness to accept risk. But it, it means something when silver is foregrounding. We're talking about how if somebody gets it, we're not going to freak out. You know, they're, they're trying to play the expectations game already because 
I think there's just an acknowledgement that they can't really control this, not in an NBA environment. And they might be the sport of the major sports that's least equipped and most vulnerable uh, when it comes to this thing. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, and I, I, I do think that, that what they're protecting against is there's going to be a positive test somewhere, whether it's a player or staffer or whatever, arena worker, and they can't start and then stop. That they cannot do. So unless it's unless it's an outbreak, then clearly they have to stop it. But, you know, it can't be one test. OK, we tried. Forget about it. You know, this has to be done with some understanding that there is zero chance of, of total safety. There is in any in, in any moment. And if they if they want total total safety, then they, they can't play and they're, they're going to play. Uh, it's a matter of yeah. Do the players feel safe? Do the older coaches that feels feel out safe? the window for everybody? Yeah, yeah. So it's like total safety is just off the table now. Yeah, like yeah, nobody. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now what? Yeah, then then what is the crowd situation? Then what is the yeah? What's the TV situation? What's the locker room situation? They got to work all that stuff. Did you see the the, the baseball uh, policies uh, proposed? That sixty seven page whatever policies. Man, it's pretty stark. I mean, it's. You know, it's like very, 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 I mean, again, I think these rules are put out there and maybe eventually they, they back off from some of them, but basically no gatherings, you know, no wear masks in the dugout. I mean, I, I can't see the NBA being able to duplicate some of this, but um, they'll, they'll have to have something. They'll have to have a list of things. And if you, if you adhere to all of them and there's a couple of problems, it's not good, but you can't stop. You, ha- you, know, you try to set up a place where you, if you have a couple of, of positive tests, you, you you find a way to, to, to get through that and go to the next thing and see what happens. But, uh, and, and with the chance that it could get worse, no question. And then you do have to stop everything, but I, they're going to play. I mean, it sounds like they're still talking about regular season games. Slater, I know you've talked to pe- Warriors people who just love that, but man, that, that would be like, go off, go to Vegas and play a five game tournament and you're done. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously still like, they're holding out hope again. Uh, most people don't think that's like the wisest idea, but they, and again, like I think I even mentioned it last week, I definitely put it in that story. They could, they just kind of think it would be like a summer league. Like they, they would go into an open mind, you know, hey, maybe Eric Pascal take seven threes per game right now. You know, view it like a summer league. Jordan Poole, really get out there and kind of try to do some stuff that we've been working on. And when I say we've been working on, that would be what they would be working on in the lead up because they haven't been able to work at all in the last month. Like the one thing when, particularly when you talk to the developmental side of the, the, the staff, they want their young guys to get in the gym and do stuff because that's what they do in the summer. They work with these guys, they get in the gym, they put them on programs and they haven't been able to do any of that. I mean, these guys are basically, you know, here's a couple dumbbells to have in your like living room to like kind of curl and maybe go run around outside. Like, they, I mean, these guys haven't got shots up in like two months, like particularly these young guys. Like that's a problem. Yeah, and they're also in a city where maybe a rookie in Indiana has a pad and a basketball court. Uh, not not so much with the Warriors' young players. They're probably holed up in an apartment. And I, it, yeah, I think that's 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 a little bit scary for the whole development curve, certainly. But they're excited getting, just about the the facility opening June one. Not, even if they're like, "Hey, you're not playing again," they want the and they believe the facility is going to open right around June one, just to get in there and just get shots up. Yeah, I think that's valuable. I think 
the NBA has got to figure out a way to do the draft process, which I'm very interested in. And the idea of finishing the regular season for lottery teams seems so useless and, and pointless versus trying to figure out a way to get those teams a look at some of these players and just know how tall they are. I mean, that's something that, that you kind of want to know. You kind of want to know if you're drafting a guy, you want to know how tall he is. Um, this needs to be figured out going forward. You know what what I'm curious about is how they're going to deal with media access. Uh, I just I, I, there's a part of me like a little instinct, a little worry that somehow it's only going to be like these TV networks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and we're gonna have the Ahmad Rashads of the world. <laughs> yeah, just like are they really going to oh, we can't have you in. Are you yeah. talking about these bubble playoffs? Or are you talking about next season? Because I both. think there's a difference. Like, yeah. Both, I do think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you never know. You never know. But I think at some point, you got to think that they're planning for the vaccine. And, you know, is November the earliest it could be? You know, or is it January? Or is it March? But I think once they're a vaccine, I think you'll see a lot of relaxed policies. But uh, without that, or without knowledge that it's coming... Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, TV interview and then, you know, sparsely attended by, you know, rule press conference, maybe, and Zoom calls, Not, you know, until that time, I don't think there's going to be press conference and I don't think, I don't think the media is going to be in a locker room. There's no, I don't I have very little chance of media until there's a vaccine. However well watched the playoffs are, I think might have a lot to do with the policies going forward because if they don't have a lot of media there and then the playoffs are kind of a dud, which I think is a possibility, frankly, that isn't acknowledged because it's assumed nobody's doing anything. Everybody will want to watch this. I mean, it kind of depends on what's there. The WWE put on their stuff and people didn't watch. So a lot of the reason the Jordan documentary got watched is because it's unprecedented Michael Jordan footage, obviously. It's not just that people have nothing better to do. So if they're not getting that reach... I think that they'll probably go, we need more media involved. But they get if they get that reach and if they get monster ratings without us, whoo, <laughs> it might be slim pickings from here on out. Yeah, I hear I uh I they're already trying to figure out next season and the idea that we may not be in a locker room next season, uh, and how exactly they'd handle that. Yeah, there's no way we're in a locker room. I just don't see it. Again, I th- you know I don't like, think they talk- want international media in there. Yeah. I don't think players yeah. are going to want that. Yeah, and uh, and some of sometimes I'm surprised that who's in there in these finals games, as we all have experienced. Uh, it's me, Marcus, <laughs> Ethan Slater, and ten journalists from Europe. But um, we'll see on that. But I, 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 again, I think if there's a vaccine, we might be back in the locker room, maybe on a more limited basis. But that's when. Yeah. But that's December at the earliest, probably February, March is when it was when we're looking at the real the real thing. Even then, it's not guaranteed. Uh, until then, you know, maybe take our temperatures as we walk in. Would you guys be against that? No. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I I'd be. Looking, I mean, we already get stopped and frisked by TSA. Yeah, might yeah. as well. Yeah. Right? You know my, what? My it, kid... It's not just protecting us. It's protecting us against the people who might come in there and and and, and might have symptoms so let's you know, I, i'm not against that i'm not against any- it becomes normal quickly like my kid they're opening up daycare in a limited way so not you know most days of the week but my kid they do the little laser pointer uh temperature taker it just becomes part of life uh pretty quickly 
So there are a yeah. lot of new realities we're just going to have to get comfortable with. I remember during the remember during the uh, SARS outbreak when we were on the beat and you'd see somebody on a flight with a mask and they'd automatically be like, "Uh oh, and it was like this scary thing It's like now we're we're all going to wear masks. Like just the sight of walking around wearing masks is just now normal. Uh, and like, there's just some things we're going to have to get used to. And we've done it before, like as a society, you know, we've something has happened and we got shook and we started adding these little features that might be a little bit of violation of privacy, but we keep doing it. And I think this won't be, but by the way, different. a we'll, press, we'll some stuff. a media room spread gone forever. Gone. Ah. Done. Done. No more yep. Tillman Fertitta charcuterie. Yep. No, ah. I just can't see that. I can't see that it coming back even when the vaccine. I mean, he wouldn't yeah. spend on it. Anyway. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you I'm are fixated the, the on chicken at Oracle you, was probably worse. You, he uh-huh. loves Tillman Fertitta. I love I love Well, I love the name Tillman Fertitta. It's just it's such a great name to say, and he is this larger than life. Well, the fact that it's just Tillman Fertitta with Daryl Morey, you could not think of two more separate (laughs) kinds of thinkers yet big personalities operating in on a single team. It's did you did you guys see him doing a uh, Trump thing thing with Trump yesterday? That that was uh, I was introduced to Tillman Fertitta by Daryl Morey one time. By the way, that was really bizarre. You're going to say Trump? That was not by Trump. Oh, I have been introduced to Trump too, though. By the way, years ago, years ago. Uh, Yeah, you're in boxing. No, it was Trump. It was at a golf course at the U.S. Open. And have you guys been? I was going to say, have you guys been following some of these other sports uh, now restarting, even in other countries? But, you know, obviously NASCAR. UFC, baby. Bundesliga. Bundesliga. You see the Bundesliga. So they, like, quarantine their, you know, people. Hey, you got to quarantine for two weeks. And, like, they caught one of their managers going out and getting toothpaste. And they, like, kicked them off. I don't know if he was, like, suspended for two weeks or what. So... I don't know. There's just a lot of different interesting stuff that you can track in other leagues across the world right now and relate to the type of stuff that the NBA might have to deal with. Yeah, it's going to be like tough. Like what happens when LeBron yeah. dips to the exactly. store? Exactly. It's going to be Oh, tough. yeah, that's it's, a great first take yeah. segment right there. And I think it's much <laughs> more much Ooh, more possible. Again, did he really need the toothpaste? <laughs> and, and not and not saying it specifically with a name you guys mentioned, but it's going to be people trying to get in, people trying to sneak people in. That's what's going to happen in the NBA. It's going to be like, you know, friends and assorted other people are not who aren't in the bubble. Are TK going to with the entourage the take. Yes, it's, <laughs> that's what's going to happen, and that's what's. How do you monitor that? How do you how do you police that? And then, yeah, what if it's before game one of the finals? How, what are you going to do? Oh, by the way, you know, three of X team are out. You can't play. That would be a very difficult situation. So we'll see. Uh, that's the Bundesliga thing made me think of that. It's like, yeah, that's just a coat. You know, who knows what he was? Maybe he was doing something totally different. But it said it was just going out to the grocery store or whatever it was. Well, but that's like minor compared to what goes on on NBA, NBA team when you know they get in the hotel. They're not. How long are these guys in the hotel room once they check in? Not a long time, you know, and they're mingling around, or people are coming. Especially to, when or, IG models like exactly, me over and here, people like, are coming to them, and wh- however it all works, uh, that's the NBA life. Maybe, maybe that'll change too, at least for a little bit. 
feel like we should have some cliche LeBron versus MJ argument. It just seems like the thing the thing to do. But no thanks. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. I'll pass. I'll pass. We'll wait a few <laughs> years. Is what you're saying? You you mean you don't need to have the argument in the middle of LeBron's career? You can actually wait for it to complete. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess if you want to be reasonable about it, geez. LeBron definitely doesn't want this argument right now. No. Barring any big news in the next seven days, do you guys want to do like a rewatch thing next week? Maybe pick a game. I was thinking a Houston series. I was watching a 1987 game with the uh, the Hawks and the Rockets. Like it's it's kind of fun to watch the old games. What it about is. the what about the Clippers Warriors seven game series? What what about the Warriors first championship? Where were Rick you, Barrett? Slater, for that? I was covering. I was covering Thunder Grizzlies, which was a terrific series in itself, yeah, which we can get to. Yeah. Reggie Jackson, man. Yeah, I, I like that. Mr. Uh, I like Clippers. Mr. I, like, Unreliable. I like Clippers Warriors Game Seven just so I can see Mark Jackson suit again, all time suit, all time suit. And David Lee balling probably. Lee, I don't know. Dude. Was, was he good? Yeah, in that? I think he was okay. Nah, he was getting destroyed yeah. by DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can never say that. I'll never say that. He had Jermaine to play o- center. Yeah, Jermaine O'Neal took himself out of the out of the series. Right? He said, "Yeah, because he I, got I, he hurt his wrist." Yeah. Yep. Yep. But this is this is the preview of next yeah. week's podcast. <laughs> Whole lot going, and the best and the Warriors score at the in the fourth quarter of that game. Marcus Thompson, Jordan Crawford, Jordan Crawford going off. Jordan Crawford. They almost won that game. They almost freaking won that game. It's crazy. Yep, yep. It's totally crazy. Yeah, I think we did that game. All right, what's the next game? No. <laughs> Hilton Armstrong, Hilton Armstrong uh, you know, figuring out the strategy and then being disavowed as the one who figured out the strategy so, is what I remember. So that. I'm beginning to learn I'm really going to need to study for this one because you guys are popping out names. That, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm covering an entirely different series yeah. at the time. We, so. that, we, that's why we, I was trying to pick a Rocket series later. <laughs> yeah, that it's one, fine. I don't mind rewatching and having Slater, some like, fresh thoughts. You don't recall Steve Blake's crucial uh, parts of that Game 7 either? You don't remember that? Oh, man. That was probably right around the time the Oklahoman printed the Mr. Unreliable headline, <laughs> so I was dealing with some <laughs> Let me go through stuff. that one. Yeah. yeah. That, I, was, I rem- that was that year, huh? That was. Oh, yes, it was. That was quite a series. <laughs> Mr. Unreliable. I, I would do a rewatchable on that, but, you know, this is... <laughs> I would do... Uh, I want Barry Trammell on whatever the documentary involving Kevin. Yeah, oh, no, he's, he's, in he's in it. He's in it. Now, Kevin, Kevin... <laughs> Yeah, you gotta have Trammell, you gotta have Darnell Mayberry. Like those are the two yeah. that I will, I will have. Well, would you get right, would we, you get Westbrook for that documentary, by the way, Slater? Would Westbrook be on it? Oh. Uh, You'd want him. He would be a pretty good get if you got him. Now, now do you that's get him, a guy whose unfiltered thoughts I would love yes, to hear. Yes. I yeah. agree with that. See, that's a little Jordany where it's like you've really never heard them. Like you've never heard him open up. Probably never will. That's a wrap for for today, fellas. Until next week. We are out of here.